Welcome to Good Enough with the Trauma Therapist, a podcast dedicated to empowering you to take control of your life, learning valuable strategies for healing and looking at mental health through a trauma-informed lens. Get ready to feel empowered and confident in managing your symptoms. And now, here is your host, licensed clinical social worker, EMDR therapist, and certified clinical trauma professional, Jamie Vollmuller. Welcome to Good Enough. I am your host, Jamie Vollmuller, and today we're going to be talking about something that's really near and dear to my heart, postpartum depression and anxiety. So to clarify for you guys, most new moms experience postpartum what they call baby blues after childbirth, which includes like mood swings, crying spells, anxiety, trouble sleeping. But they usually start within the first two to three days after delivery and last for up to two weeks. So if anything is going on, if these symptoms are continuing past two weeks, that's when we start thinking about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. And it's really important to contact a mental health professional or your PCP, any trusted doctor, your OB, if you if your symptoms don't fade after two weeks, if they're getting worse, if they make it hard for you to care for your baby, if they make it hard for you to complete everyday tasks, or, and especially if, they include thoughts of harming yourself or your baby. It's not a shame or a, you should not feel shame or guilt if you have to seek help. Seeking help is actually the best thing that you can do as a mom who's going through this because untreated postpartum depression anxiety will have an effect on the mother-infant relationship because it does affect your chemicals in your brain and your overall behavior, which is going to affect the way that your child relates to you, sees you, and sees the world, and how responsive you are to them, and how you're able to nurture and care for them. If you're constantly in a bad state and super depressed and sad, and you're going to be irritable, if you're not sleeping well, it's going to be really hard for you to maintain your calm and be the calm that baby needs to feel safe and secure. So part of the reason myself and my team are so passionate about postpartum depression and anxiety is because one, most of us have either experienced it or we know someone who has. So it's also super common, guys. It's one in seven women will experience this after childbirth. And I, I think it's such an important topic to shed light on because there is so much shame and guilt associated with struggling with postpartum depression or anxiety. And I think that goes back to, you know, what our expectations about motherhood would be like, how it's different than what we expected, and and what societal expectations are of what motherhood is supposed to look like. So especially moms who really wanted that natural birth and had complications and had to have a C-section or, you know, attempted to breastfeed, but the, the baby wouldn't latch or they weren't producing enough, it really produces this feeling of inadequacy in a lot of women that I'm not woman enough. I wasn't able to be the type of mom that I'm supposed to be. I'm already failing and it's day one, right? And and that is a very upsetting, disturbing feeling. And it's it's really, really common and it's it definitely can be treated. 
Um, so we are at Suffolk Family Therapy hosting a virtual uh, new moms group that is free to the public to join. It'll be on Mondays at 6 p.m. Again, free to the public to enroll in because we want to provide support to the community. It's a good give back to the community. It's a topic we are all super, super passionate about. And I, I think it's just important for women to have a safe space to talk about what's happening to them. Some of the things we're going to talk about in this group are going to be the expectations that we had for motherhood, right? You know, I was talking to a friend yesterday and she's pregnant and she was very, very upset that she felt so tired and lethargic and just her pregnancy wasn't what she expected it to be. Um, And it was bringing up a lot of feelings from her of feeling depressed in the past and, and made her very anxious about motherhood to begin with. And that's something else to keep in mind for any of our listeners out there that know of a woman who may be pregnant, you know, perinatal depression or anxiety is also common. And these hormonal shifts and changes can can cause this imbalance and have us to start feeling these really intense emotions uh, before we even give birth. If you have these feelings before you're giving birth, you're way more likely to experience them after. But again, it, it is very treatable. There are medications that you can go on. There are support groups that you can be in and and therapy definitely does help. I think uh, talking about it is one of the most powerful things that a woman can do in receiving help because I think the worst part, at least for me, so I had postpartum anxiety with my firstborn son couldn't leave him for the first six months, like was way too anxious. Even if I like went out to the grocery store, it would not be an enjoyable trip for me because the whole time I'd be worrying that what if my husband forgot to do this or that or something would happen. Very irrational thoughts because my husband is a fully capable human who's capable of taking care of children. He's a PA. So honestly, if anything happened, he'd probably be better off handling it than me, Uh, especially in an emergency. But I couldn't leave my firstborn. And when I had my second son, I had really bad postpartum depression, which felt worse than the anxiety for me, I think, because I've had anxiety my whole life. So that I was able to power through. But with the depression, like, I, I think what was most concerning to me and what made me feel really guilty as a mom is I didn't feel as connected with my second son as I did my first. My first, I had that automatic bond, automatic connection. Like I said, I could not leave his side. I would just stare at this child for hours and like wonder. And my second born, I, you know, would find myself getting very internally aroused and anxious when he would cry or have a hard day. And, you know, I'm I'm a therapist. I know like rational me was like, this is not normal. Like he's a baby. Why are you frustrated? And it only took about three weeks for me to be like, oh, I need to go to the psychiatrist and maybe go on some medication because this isn't normal. And the the breaking point for me was coming home from my OB and I had to pick up my son's shoes at DSW and I was passing it. And I was like, oh, I can just, you know, go pick them up at DSW. (laughs) And uh, for whatever reason, I just became very tearful and upset and had all these thoughts of like, you're avoiding going home and you don't want to be around your kid. And all of these. And I'm like, this is totally irrational. You're just going to pick up shoes on the way home from the OB. This is a normal 
routine. This is, this is normal. And, and because I guess I'm a therapist and I know the warning signs of postpartum, I was able to get help very early and get put on medication. Zoloft is entirely safe in breastfeeding for women who are concerned about that. There have been many studies done. Um, and I started feeling better within a couple of weeks. And it is so important because it goes back to, it affects the relationship that you as a mother are going to have with that baby. And especially in infancy, our children are learning whether or not they can trust the world. They need us to be calm and consistent and present. And when you're in a bad emotional place, it's really, really difficult to be those things. And I think because of the pressure that a lot of women put on themselves to be the be-all end-all and that society puts on us to be the be-all end-all, it's really hard for a lot of women, especially women who grew up feeling that they were responsible for everything or they're not good enough, to ask for help because even asking for help can feel like a failure. And I just wanted to talk today a lot about how it's it's totally normal to have these feelings, normal as in a lot of people experience them, and that it is very, very treatable. And just opening up and talking about it can really help you to feel more secure in your role as a mother and learn what you need to do to take care of yourself so you can take care of your child. I wanted kids more than anything in the world. We had a really hard time getting pregnant. We did IUIs. We have two IVF babies. Um, so being a mom was always my number one goal. And I still experienced postpartum. Like, it, it's not something that any, any woman really wants, right? But there is so much guilt and shame when you have negative feelings towards your baby. Like, because most of us are going to worry that people are going to think, oh, I'm a bad mom, or I shouldn't be around my kids, or um, maybe I wasn't made for this, or whatever those thoughts are. Um, but here to tell you that it's just your brain chemistry and your hormones, and you feel all kinds of messed up, and you can get help. And the fact that you feel bad that you're having these kind of reactions to your child or feelings about your child is actually an indication that you're a pretty good mom because you know that this isn't normal or healthy or good for your kid. And seeking help is really, really important, especially because if we go back to what society says or, or how we were raised, right? I think having a kid for me brought up a lot of my own childhood trauma and my own insecurities about not wanting to repeat the same mistakes as my parents and wanting to make sure that my child had a super strong attachment and that he knew he was loved and good enough and all of the things, right? Because I'm a, I'm a therapist. I do trauma work and I know how important these early years are in his life, like in his overall life trajectory, how important it is to have a really strong, healthy, secure attachment. And getting help meant that, you know, I had to talk to people even as a therapist and say, I'm, I'm having these really, you know, not so great thoughts, which is, is a scary thing to do, but it's, it's truly necessary to get the help that you need and to help your, your baby to have a mom that's calm <laughs> and rational and, and healthy 
Because when you go to someone and you go on medication to help you get through, or you, you start talking about it and finding solutions to help you navigate, you know, just navigating what your expectations were versus what the reality is of motherhood. I think there's really no manual for parenting. And I think we all have a lot of ideas of what it's going to be like to have a kid. And a lot of times it doesn't turn out the way we think it's going to be, or we don't realize how much freedoms that we lost or how much control we used to have over even our own schedules. Like when you take a shower, when you eat, I remember being a new mom and being like, I haven't eaten all day. And like, you know, (laughs) or I haven't showered in three days because anytime I would put the baby down, he would scream. It's, it's definitely, I don't think anything prepares you for that. Uh, and when you talk to other people, if they're not educated on mental health or, or they don't know the warning signs of postpartum, you know, you might get some really mixed messages about what you should be doing, how you should parent. And I, I think that adds a whole nother level of stress to being a new mom is, you know, like you, a lot of us do our own research and we, read up on, I know for me, so I'll say for me, I read up on attachment parenting. I was super big into breastfeeding and all the benefits of that. And, you know, I never put my kids down. I did not let them cry. I was on the total opposite end of the spectrum. But uh, I got a lot of pushback from my family that, you know, he needs to self-soothe. And I'm like, he's a baby. He doesn't need to self-soothe. He needs me to co-regulate. That's what he needs. And and thankfully, I was a very strong woman and and because I'm in this field and I know what is developmentally appropriate and psychologically appropriate for my child and what is the best way to respond based on research and evidence I was more able to tune out a lot of that noise but for a lot of new moms uh, that don't have that kind of education or experience and don't have high self-confidence like they can get derailed from what they want to do or how they want to parent. And that that adds a whole other layer of guilt and shame and, and feelings of inadequacy and depression. And and just even figuring out uh, how to maintain some level of self-care when you have a very high-needs baby is challenging. I can say for a fact that it was very challenging for me. My firstborn was anxious out the womb. He just any time you put him down, uh, you had to rock him. He had gas. So anytime I fed him, I had to sit him upright. He was a breastfed baby. So I had to feed him for a half hour, sit him upright for a half hour. And then I would lay him down after that half hour of upright and rocking. And he'd sleep for maybe 20 minutes if I wasn't directly next to him. And then he'd wake up. And we did that for two months until I started co-sleeping because I could not uh, stay up anywhere. I was literally falling asleep with him on the couch and that was not safe. So we began co-sleeping. But again, I was a mom that was like doing my research. You know, there's safe ways to co-sleep. It's very normal in a lot of other cultures. (laughs) And there's a safe way to do this. And this is what works for me and my family. And I was able to set those boundaries with my family and, and not be intimidated to back down or, or change my mind or parent my kid in a different way because someone else was telling me I was wrong. And and I don't know that most moms have the self-confidence to do that, especially young moms. And 
it's it's important to have a sounding board of other people who are going through it to help you start setting those boundaries, especially if you're someone who has always struggled with boundary setting or uh, feeling responsible for other people or feeling not good enough. Um, motherhood can be very, very challenging because your parents will start, you know, popping over unexpectedly if you're not good at your boundaries or uh, holding your baby when they don't, you don't want them to. Or, you know, I remember my sister had a baby during COVID and she was very nervous about people holding her baby because it's COVID. And and my little sister is not quite as great as boundaries as I am. And it, it was hard for her to to set those boundaries. It made her very anxious and uncomfortable. She did do it because she's a good girl. But it made her very anxious and uncomfortable. And she needed support in in doing that. And she needed that, that affirmation that she's doing the right thing. My name is Jamie Volmore. You've been listening to Good Enough. And I want you to know you are good enough. Thank you for listening to Good Enough with the Trauma Therapist. We appreciate you listening. While our host may provide some personal and professional advice, we want to remind you that this show is for entertainment purposes only. Each individual situation is unique, and Good Enough is not a substitute for mental health treatment. If you need a therapist and are located in New York, or Missouri, feel free to reach out to us at liendr.com or brave-mo.com.